They're a little bit loose, a little bit unstrung, and they've probably had a few beers beforehand. Please welcome Matt Crummins and Tom Fancy Pants Puck with yet another episode of Matt and Tom's Excellent Adventure. <laughs> I just, Matt just asked me if there was a button that I could press that would assist in starting the recording of this podcast because we've had a few technical difficulties. We're not only running late, but we're uh, just trying to get this bloody thing working, talking about the coffee machine and how it's not dispensing the right amount of coffee for me. It's looking like Yarra water. It tastes like Yarra water. I sort of feel as though with that, mm, actually, like it's not too bad. It okay because it didn't. It it certainly looked like dangerously grey. Well, I like um, I like a weak coffee. I don't go strong. Oh, really? Is that because you mix no. it with Red Bull as well? <laughs> it, I, but just for those who are wondering, like Tom's got a Red Bull in one hand and a and a grey looking coffee in the other. It's on, on <laughs> honestly, it's it is probably the. The most unhealthy looking coffee I've seen in a long time. Like if, if a coffee was on its deathbed and had lost all <laughs> colour from its face, that is the that is the coffee that you are drinking. You'd be bringing out the recess machine, wouldn't you? You would. You'd you be would. like, you'd be calling the doctor. You've got a ventilator. Yeah, sorry coffee. about that, but it does taste quite nice. And and I have been here quite early because my back room, where I take all the naughty people, is is very dishevelled indeed i've decided to do a reno on my storeroom if the if the front half of the gallery wasn't enough i just spat the dummy you know what i stupidly did you've got to remember i'm guessing it's not open a gallery is that the (laughs) (laughs) that is about that is that's not far from the truth um there's another podcast but what i stupidly did let, let me just backtrack a second when when God was handing out the skills of handyman to everybody, mm. I was left in the corner and somebody pointed to me and said, what about Tom? And they went, no, 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 no sorry, none left. Yeah, you No more skills left. No even... more handyman skills left, so we can't give Tom any. I want to know what happened. That sounds, da- that sounds disastrously <laughs> well, funny. <laughs> well, when I first, when I first um, renovated the storeroom, moving in a few years ago, I built this shelving by myself that I can't cut straight pieces of wood. So that's the first point. Did you use a and I built... saw or did you? <laughs> no, no, I was hand sawing. Okay. And I would kill myself. I'd chop my hand off with any sort of like, you know, drop saw. And then I'm so impressed I haven't got the name right. And then what I did was that I, I, um, I created this sort of like system so that I could just pull prints in and out of. But the problem was that I made it horizontal rather than vertical, and a lot of my prints are quite long. So that took up a lot of the storeroom when you've got like a, a one and a half, two meter long print coming out from a wall that uh, takes up most of the storeroom, as opposed to, Tom, why didn't you just do it so you could store them vertically? Is that because you felt like they were like your, your kids and they needed to like stand up straight and not be on their side because that would be... So they were on their side. That's the problem. Oh, right. Oh. If they were standing up straight, we'd have them going fine. upwards. Oh, they're long So I'm now renovating so we can do that. But I'm just putting the call out to anybody there on the Mornington Peninsula or nearabouts that could spare me an hour or two of their handyman time and, and bring their own tools. My question I, though is, are you, are sure. you going to be the person who stands there knowing full yes. well that you've got no idea what you're yes. doing, but directing people like, no, 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 no we yes. should do it. We should do yeah, it. Yeah, no, 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 no. You're going to do that right, are yeah. you? You're going to, you're going to, you're going to get that looking straight, aren't you? Oh. That's going to be a nice vertical line, isn't it? That's, oh, you're that's cutting the it that comments way, I'll be you? making. Oh. <laughs> yes. Would you like to borrow my pocket <laughs> yeah. knife? That's how I did the last one. <laughs> 
So I shall attempt version number two, but I would greatly appreciate anybody who has in their skills hearts to, <laughs> the skills to help skills. me out. Now I have a I, I two things I have on my agenda for today, carefully oh. written down on this invisible piece of paper, Matthew. Yeah, okay. Why were you messaging me at four thirty this morning? Uh, that's when I started Is, work this morning. You um, are joking. No. Nah. No, I'm is that not. because Ilo woke at that hour, or you just decided no. that four thirty is a good time to start work? I got up about four, um, and I had my coffee, with, which looked a little bit the cock. more of yes. a, <laughs> a healthier color than that one. Um, and right. then no, I got straight to work. So yeah, that's uh, that's me. Wow, it's well, it's actually lunchtime me. right now. So um. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Ready for, ready for brunch. Yeah, no, like a lot. So a lot of people don't know. I do a lot of video productiony stuff as well um, for for like business or corporate clients, and that at the moment is just I've just got like twenty video edits that are sitting on my computer, going like Matt, you haven't done them oh, yet. Wow. And, um, so I'm just wow. swamped with. Haven't that. you got minions to do that for you? Can't you go on to Fiverr.com and you know chuck somebody five bucks and say, here, can you edit this three-hour video? I could, but then I feel like I'd end up getting someone with a, a like the equivalent of someone, you know, maybe building a storage cupboard with a pocket knife. Um, <laughs> um, well, that means I could probably edit your videos then. Probably. Uh, no, I, <laughs> For five what? bucks. You can do it. It's just the thing is, if you f- like I love when you're uh, involved from a project, and I think this goes with photography as well, but when you're involved in the creative, then you actually get to do the shoot, then you get to do the edit because you kind of end up shooting it um, for... I mean, they all sort of flow on, you know, like I hate when you get, it's happened before where people have handed me footage that's been shot by someone else and you sort of mm. go, oh, that person did a good, like the actual quality of the footage looks good. So the client's not going to go, oh, that's, you know, not, you know, they stuffed it up. But when you sort of go, well, hold on, these shots don't work together in the context of the script you've given me or there's things that are missing that aren't there. Like it just, so I like to do the whole, th- I like to be involved from start to finish because you sort of, you, you know what you've shot. It's easy to pull together. Whereas if you hand it off to someone else, they kind of go, they don't have, they don't know, you know, if that particular room is what's being referred to or they don't know your clients. So it's a bit, a bit hard. I totally get where you're coming from. It's not very scalable though, is it? No, it's not, but that's okay. I kind of like just doing my thing and not relying on other people. You know? Yeah, fair enough. You know? You know? Fair enough. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you but on no, that. We- so I've got some great video to, spatch, to, to splice together. So oh, awesome. I gather I shouldn't reach out to you. Oh, you certainly could, but I'd probably botch it for you. So <laughs> No, I'm sure you do a great <laughs> job, but if you're snowed under... You're not, talking not- about, you're not talking about the footage from last week's podcast that didn't work? <laughs> no, I'm not giving you a hard time about that. I'm actually I was going to let that one go, oh. but instead you've brought it up. Well, I feel it's appropriate because it's probably got a whole bunch of people going, no, I won't listen to the audio one from last week. I'll wait till the video comes out and this is not going to happen. <laughs> I'm going to jump on their fantastic YouTube channel and just watch it. Just binge like Netflix. Was, I'm just going to binge the YouTube channel for as long as I want. There is an animate. So Adobe's got a, um, a piece of software called um, Adobe Animate and it lets yes. you do real-time puppeteers. Or puppeteering, so you build oh, right. a character and then it face yes. tracks you live. It's like what you probably get on like, Stop um, it. you know, uh, what's it called? Uh, you know, like uh, WhatsApp and Facebook have got like the live filters. So it essentially yes. can do that, but it, it uses a puppet that you've created. And um, I love it. So I could just make one of you and me, and then just put that <laughs> over the top of the podcast. And that um, would be. Yeah. That would be cool. Would be Let's awesome. do that. Yeah. I probably well, won't, we, to be honest, but like you could. <laughs> no, you no, no. You're, just, so. you're all talk, no action. That's it's it. it's we, along the same lines, not of where we need to 
redo the graphics for this podcast because as you coldly, coldly put it to me the other day, looks like some grade two person has got into Paint Shop Pro or something else, you know? like yeah. <laughs> it's not the greatest, especially Thanks, considering mate. that we're, you know, I, I'll say we're more in the visual media industry. Um, <laughs> it feels as though... Yeah, I mean, is there I anybody that, out there? That's is it. there anybody out there willing to put together, spend five minutes to put together some nice graphics for our podcast so that we can? Or Tom, we could just go five and pay five dollars. Apparently, <laughs> no, but this could totally. this could be like um, you know, they say isn't it like hairdressers? You know, always have bad haircuts. Builders never have a finished yes. house, and photographers yes. obviously just do really crappy branding for themselves. So. <laughs> <laughs> Photographers, portrait photographers never have family portraits taken. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Speaking of which, this is kind of a segue. Mary and I chose a lovely landscape of mine to have specially printed to put in our house. Wow. How exciting is that? Rather than that one got damaged in the gallery or that one got damaged in transit and therefore we can't sell that one and it's going home, (laughs) dang on the wall. (laughs) They're all special editions when they've got a ding in them, aren't they? Special editions on yeah. special. Yeah, this is what, this is um, dent one of three. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> number of artworks I've ruined by not by not wrapping them properly. You know, storing them properly when I take them off the walls here in the gallery and put them out the back. Oh. And the next thing you know, you know what kills me? Oh, she'll be right. Just chuck them in there. You know, and then next thing and you it's know, it's just busted. Oh, it's just horrible. You have to take into the tip. You have to throw a perfectly good artwork. Into the bin. Do you it's make sure when you put it in the disgusting. bin that you really damage damage it? <laughs> this is it. No, I've got a story to tell about that. One day I'm offloading them, and um, there were minor dings in them, and the guy there is like, "Ah, oh, so do you sell this work?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I've got a gallery down Main Street, Mornington, but these ones, um, you know, unfortunately we have to get rid of. We can't sell them. Minor minor things wrong with them, etc." And he's like, "Oh, so I need some artwork for my house. So how much is how much is like something like this usually?" And I go, oh, "It's about three grand." And he goes, "Yeah, right. That's that's yeah, that's well beyond my budget. Okay, no worries. See, like, look, I'll give you a hand with these. <laughs> and I swear, he probably fished them out of the bin. For oh, the that's t- hilarious. Took them home. Oh, so I swear he did. If I ever 100%. throw anything in the bin like that, which I have done many, many times, I right. like cut holes in the middle of it. Trash just, not, it. Not because I think anyone's going to want my stuff, but I just sort of feel like that that there is this like." Especially you, you've got an actual product right there. The other thing you could do, you know, you could, could you have like another person in the market, like Tom Putt NQR, like <laughs> it's kind of like a scratch and dent sale at the other end of the market. That would be all of my work then, Tom Putt, not quite right. <laughs> do you remember not Everything. quite right? You could just buy like yeah, things yeah, yeah. and the sure labels still, a bit wrong. I'm sure it's still around. Tom signed this print but misspelled his name. You know, <laughs> Tom Poot. <I> <laughs> Oh my God, you probably saw it on Instagram the other day where I hung two beautiful wall um, waterfall pieces, 250 centimetre high acrylics in this beautiful home. And I don't sign the acrylics because otherwise you're signing, you know, a Sharpie onto mm. on the plastic and it looks shit, right? So what I did is I put a digital signature, which looks great, plus the title in this very cursive, beautiful writing on one of the prints. But did you think I did it on the other? Oh, you idiot. <laughs> I just say to the interior designer, I said, look, Sharon, uh, I'm, I'm going to confess, like, it looks lovely over here. Have a look at this. And she's going, yeah, no, that's great. And I'm going, 
but I failed to do it on this one here. So if the client is unhappy with that, please let me know and I'll replace it for them. Oh, that's, I can't believe it. Yeah. That's just stupid. Did they notice or stuff. are they going to find no. out when they listen to this podcast? <laughs> Either that or I'm going to get a phone call in a few weeks' time. And Tom, we love the artwork, but um, I've got one other thing to say that I've totally forgotten. It's only 11 minutes in. You've only got one more thing to say. Oh, it was right on the tip of... Oh, that's it's come back to me. You know what I've discovered during the week? What's that? Is that you, and not only you, but you and, and other workshop leaders have touched more people than I realised. Well, I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to confirm nor deny that. Um, but who, allegedly, who said, allegedly. Who, who said it and what did I do? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was around at um, Anne Moore's house the other day, last night, in fact, oh, giving right. her a little bit of Lightroom coaching. Cool. And there's Cam Blake's Tasmanian book just proudly displayed on the coffee table. Mm. Mine is nowhere to be seen. Oh. And then Yours is probably next Anne's to the bed. Taking... It's probably like, you know, it's, it's a different type of reading. No, no, it was stuffed in the bookcase. Oh. Um, and then and then she's showing me through her Lightroom catalog. Oh, that's a nice photo. Where did you take that? That was when I did a workshop with uh, Matt Crummins in the city. And, oh, that's a nice waterfall rainforest type shot. Yeah, that was a shot that I did with Matt Crummins. Mm. Oh, and they melt, you know, they sort of tilt their head to the side and they, they just, say it in a nice, beautiful, soft voice. And it's I, just memories. A little know, bit of spew goes, comes into my mouth, honestly, every time I, I hear it, but that's okay. <laughs> No, so I, you're doing a good you're doing a good art job out there, touching as as many of these women as as possible. Oh, that sounds well. They are mostly women that come on your workshop. Come on, I'm just saying, I'm just qualifying that. I'm not Whoa. not saying you're touching them inappropriately. I'm saying that you're touching them in a way that you know has a profound impact on them. <laughs> I'm just not sure whether this is something I should be recording and saying live. I think I feel like this is one of those traps where if you edit this correctly. Um, it's it's not correctly <laughs> edited edit dodgily. Uh, this is going to sound sound really horrible, um, and not to mention. No, you've you done know, a great job. They they sing your praises. I'm saying that you've touched them in many ways, given that you have advanced their their photography and um, well, that's good. And given them the skills to, you know, they're talking highly of you. That's, that's what good. I want to say. Good. Let me just qualify that before I get in. <laughs> Before oh, I get all of, these, all of these emails and letters from lawyers. So um, you were talking about workshops and that's kind of a nice little, yeah. it is a bit of a segue in a way. Segway. Uh, well, yeah, not right, segue. Right. Like what do you call, what do, we, what do I normally call it? But my brain's fried this week. Um, oh, that kind of leads us into today's topic. <laughs> yeah, it's a segue. Yeah, yeah, it's a segue. I know. I just thought yeah. there was another way I could say it that was more consistent with our branding, which is obviously not consistent at all because of our two-year-old graphics. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but so I do run a night workshop as well. Yeah, and I, and I know that you um, down on the peninsula some amazing night opportunities, but they're two very very different types of night photography. So yeah, um, my first question is: when we talk about night photography, do we also kind of refer to super early morning before sunrise? Is that that's still night, isn't it? Oh, it depends. Is it is it dark? Well, yeah. If it's before sunrise, you'd like to think so. <laughs> <laughs> Are we talking about civil twilight, nautical twilight? You know, I just want or to make the, this clear the because otherwise, <laughs> I want to I want to be able to direct my conversation in an educated and well mannered way. So I just need to know, make sure we're um, on the same page. I think we're just talking general. Anything that's in the dark, it's not in. A, like if the sun is out, then it's generally not nighttime. 
Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Nighttime. Daytime. <laughs> Steve. <laughs> yes. Oh, thank goodness you know what I'm talking about. I thought that was going to get lost on you. Yeah. Oh, no, of course it wouldn't get lost on me. You're very good. You waste your time watching useless YouTube videos yeah, as well. Exactly. Good to hear. This right. is why we get along so well. So what, where are you going with this, Matthew? I'm not sure. Like, well, our topic, let me our topic this let morning, you run with this which segue. I didn't come up with for the first time in like 12 weeks. I've um, actually done some homework. You've got to be impressed with oh, me. Come very, on. Very I impressive. said to Matt after the last podcast, just to fill everybody in, that this week I was going to make a list of all the topics that we've done already. And then I was going to make a list of 50 topics for us to do for the rest of the year. I'm looking at a, a list of probably 20, but you know, it's a work in progress. But, so but I'm getting there. Just to clarify, last night at like 8 p.m., when I get the thing, are we on tomorrow? What, what's the topic? Which. Firstly, not my job because Tom said last week he was going to come up with 52. And I said, haven't you got 52 of them? Uh, uh, uh. And then he says, topic, what to consider before traveling to a new location? And my first comment is, didn't we already do that one? Which should have been the first part of your homework was to write down the ones we've actually done. So um, I'm glad that overnight you didn't have to stay up till 4am to get your homework done. And you did get it done, which is good. But I'm not sure that you're going to get a gold star for that. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I mean, when you got to, to class, be honest, your homework was done, but I feel like it was rushed. I feel like you rushed through this. <laughs> yes. You didn't show your working. You just went straight to the answer and assumed that everyone would be like, oh, yeah. Tom and you got the answer wrong. <laughs> I got the answer wrong. That's the worst part. I have only a list of the five topics that we've done so far, and this is episode number 25. So clearly, I'm missing a few there. But again, episode. that will be my homework for today. Right. But night photography. Anyway, so you did come up with a good one, and that was the five common nighttime photography mistakes to avoid now i don't have to five avoid. specifically but i do have some no neither do i i'm hoping that you was going to come up I with five and i was just going to write off your coattails why don't we change the topic halfway through this podcast to common night photography mistakes <laughs> <laughs> not just five <laughs> let's not put ourselves under so much pressure matthew know, right you know Come up with one golden one and I'm going to lead off. I'm going to lead also, off. Also, sorry, can I just say that in terms of coming up with one golden one, the other thing is having mm. five kind of means that one of us is going to win this because if there's five, <laughs> one of us three is going to have three and the other person is going to have two. So. True. I, I, but I'm not competitive, Matthew, so I'm happy to give you the win. Right. Yeah, okay. right here, right now. There you go. Well done. You win today's podcast. Congratulations. <laughs> I'll, send you, I'll send you a can of Red Bull. There you go. Fine. So... We used to run night photography workshops in the city years ago, like 10 years ago at least, just when the Docklands was being um, developed. Mm. We used to start at um, the Webb Bridge. Do you know the Webb Bridge? I do know Webb Bridge. Danny Ainshead and South Wharf, yeah? Oh, I wouldn't. Yeah, it's South Wharfish. Yeah, right at the end there. And um, that is a spectacular bridge to photograph Mm. at the right time of day. Now, when I say right time of day, we used to meet for a, a coffee or maybe even a cheeky bevy. Um, at about, we used to not run them in summer. That was disastrous. Yeah, I've, I run them in summer and it's a very late <laughs> so otherwise, otherwise, you're sort of meeting at eight and you're not getting home till three yeah, in the morning. It's not great. So, yeah, I think we used to meet about 4.35 or something like that. In the wintertime, the sun would go down. I find the ideal time for me for the nightscapes, like we're talking city nightscapes, for example, is around that 20 minutes to half an hour after sunset. Yeah. And I'll tell you why. Because the sky is not black. It's got this deep blue hue that 
is remnant from the sun still going down. Now, to the naked eye, it looks pretty goddamn dark, but to an exposure that's perhaps running 30 seconds, it means that you've got this beautiful balance between the city lights versus the the colour of the sky in the background. Mm. And it's that it's that real window of, of like only five or ten minutes from about 20 minutes after the sun goes down to about half an hour after the sun goes down. Obviously, that will vary depending on what latitude you live in, so to speak. I'm talking about Melbourne, Victoria, Australia here. But um, that was always my favourite favorite time to photograph nightscapes. I definitely agree with that. And I think that that's okay. – this is the, uh, the, the general um, – I think the time they call it is blue hour, which is not is necessarily an hour. hour. Yeah. It does have like, as you say, like, there's like <laughs> no, it's five minutes. minutes. Like, that's like sometimes in summer golden hour lasts about six seconds. Um, the, I definitely agree with that. And I think that the, the, you know, common mistakes are that you go out too late. So sometimes that whole, and it's not just, I mean, the light is definitely one of the big issues that, that you face there because, um, yeah, you're right. Black skies don't necessarily work. Sometimes they work really well. I think night photography in black and white is amazing when you get really black, black skies and really detailed yep. buildings and stuff. Um, but yep. you're right. When I you're trying to get that. the color and you're trying to really make it pop, that blue is a lot more impressive than than the black. The other thing, yeah. though, with the timing aspect of it is going out too late on the wrong night. So I run workshops in the city and I do run them through summer. We go out. It's only a two-hour workshop because it's so late. Um, but... Um, if you go out at like 9 p.m. on almost any night of the week in Melbourne, even during like the, this kind of covid time, it's pretty bustling and busy, which means you get cars, traffic, movement and things like that. So you can take advantage of like light trails and stuff. Um, yeah. But I do see other people who yep, go out cool. and they photograph and they, they sort of, there's a completely different genre, but there's people who do like um, scaling buildings and stuff at night, you know, and they go and like photograph from the top car parks and like, I don't want to say they break into places, but they certainly go places they're not supposed to be and take the most stunning streetscapes and stuff. Um, and there's no cars about. It's this eerie, empty city in the middle of the night. Um, but that's a really mm. like, quite specific genre. And I think that just for your average person who's doing night stuff, I think you've got to be really pay attention to when things are going to be happening. You know, um, for instance, if you go down to, um, you know, the Crown Casino precinct, you know, knowing what time the flames go off, for instance, can completely change that whole oh, yes. view because you get that color, you get your yes. blue, blue sky popping in the background and then you get the big flames happening, which lights up the whole river yellow. Um, so understanding your timing, it's not just about the sun. I think it's also about understanding, well, if you're going to the Docklands, for instance, and you're trying to capture light trails down Wurundjeri Way or, or whatever it is, you go, well, okay, when is the traffic going to be there? If you turn up at three o'clock in the morning, you're probably mm. going to have like, a couple of skateboarders mm. um so so timing definitely i think people get that right <laughs> you know yeah absolutely yep. so i've actually got five yeah now, you yeah 100 that was so, one of mine as well Boo. oh well done well well do you want to go off with number two there matthew because uh, i i let tick. off cool tick, tick well done we've covered that either well um, and we, we started our great content before the twenty-minute mark of this podcast. I think we're going to get through. I think we're, I think we're going to push this out though, because there's a lot to talk about. I think we're going to get more than five, to be honest. All right. Yeah. So the other okay. one, I'm well, let's say keep going. That I see constantly is people having either flimsy or rubbish tripods. Ooh, Biggest mistake you can great make. Great point. Because it's not just. I mean, about... do you sell tripods for anyone who needs a, a decent tripod? By the way. Well, so we do. Well, both of us do sell tripods. Um, <laughs> My yes. my latest and yeah, greatest for me because I give you a really big discount, really big discount, and then I just hit Matt up yeah. for the difference. Tom Tom tries to buy <laughs> friends, you see. So, 
<laughs> some of us make friends, some of us buy like, friends. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> so harsh. No, the um, but I, I do think the tripods. Like, I'm going to take out the the uh, or remove the whole um selling tripods factor for a sec because I don't necessarily like. I do agree that you want a good tripod, and we both sell a good brand of tripod. They're both really solid. Um, I also really love the Peak Design one. It's really lightweight, but it's quite solid compared yes. to speaking. Yeah, you can talk um, about that, but. But friggin' expensive for what it is. Very expensive. But what I think is when it comes to tripods, it's not even about having an expensive or a really sturdy one. I think part of it is okay, it it, it doesn't, you don't want to be shaky, especially around Melbourne and and cities. You get a lot of wind tunnels and that's going to vibrate your camera. Mm. Mm. But to be honest, I reckon half of that good tripod is about how much energy and effort you need to put into setting it up. (laughs) The amount of people who rock up to workshops. And get and they they set their tripod up and then they're sitting. Everyone else is already shooting and they're still sitting there, kind of swearing at it. And then the leg falls, off, <laughs> you know, and then it's bendy and then they can't get it high enough and they're cranking the neck up with one of those little windy wheel things and it gets up to the top oh, and now no. it's not working and it's like, you know, and and it's and by the time they do it, they actually just don't even want to take the shot anymore. You know, it's just like this. Oh, you know what? No. This is crap. Um, and mm. I feel as though uh, photography shouldn't be an effort in terms of your equipment. Photography should be an effort mentally, like a creative effort, not a physical effort. And um, God, you get the wrong tripod. And do you find that? Surely you get that on your, your peninsula oh, yeah. workshops. Yeah, like yeah, we do on a one-day workshop. Oh, God, seriously. Correct, correct. And, you know, I can sympathize with them because I've been there, done that. When I was um, in my earlier days getting into photography and my bird watching, my parents went away overseas and they brought me back. I think I went to Hong Kong and they brought me this beautiful telescope but also this Ven Velbon, whatever it is, tripod, you know, plastic fantastic, I call them, to go with this um, this telescope. And, you know, it wasn't long before I broke it. And that was probably a good thing because it was just flimsy as. And I just remember having that tripod and knowing that I needed to upgrade. So I went into Michael's camera store <laughs> previously in Elizabeth Street, uh, since closed down, and I bought what I thought was the world's most expensive tripod. And that would have been <laughs> mid-90s. Uh, so we're 20, talking 25 years ago, and it was $150. Ooh. It was a Manfrotto. It weighed a ton, and it had the video fluid head on it. I reckon I've got the, the exact same one. Really good. Yeah, yeah. right. Actually, they're rock solid, but like, geez, they, they do weigh a ton, don't they? They do. And uh, and that lasted me 15 years. I seriously didn't upgrade for 15 years. So it cost me $10 for every year I had it. And it was fantastic to me. But look, you invest in a good tripod, and it should last you a long time. I... I tend to trash mine and, um, you know, being a coastal landscape photographer, they get a lot of salt and sand in them and before too long, they're not working as well as they should, but that's my fault, not anybody else's. So, yeah, invest in a good tripod, guys. It's going to cost you money, but if you look after it, it'll last you 10 years at least. So and you're prob- why not? you're probably more likely, I think, as well to to use it more if it's easy to use. Like if, if it's sure. effortless to set up and pack down, mm-hmm. you kind of mm-hmm. go, oh, yeah, you know what, I'll give this shot a crack, whereas like... Yep. My God, some of the tripods I see. And it's not it's, being critical of the people who have got them. It's just that if you've, if you've not experienced that frustration yet because it's a new tripod. And especially, do you remember Aldi had a sale at one point and they had like $30 tripods? No. So Aldi had a sale. This is like Gosh. going back probably two years. Um, and, they, you know, they got right. their special deal buys or whatever they are. Yes, and so yes, they had, special buys. They had a tripod yes. and it was 30 bucks. And right. for the next six months, people turned up on my workshops <laughs> with these tripods going, I just, you know, not not claiming yeah. that they were good. So, I'm again, not no. sort of saying people thought they got this the best deal ever. They said, oh, I bought one. I just bought the Aldi one because it was 30 bucks. And, and sure enough, within the first hour of using it on a workshop, they're like, yeah, I'm going to replace this. 
I think you'd purposely try to probably kick them over or break them in some way, shape or form and, and say, well, you know what? Lesson learned, isn't it? I mean, don't buy a crap tripod. By the way, I sell tripods if you'd like to buy one from me. It's it's going to cost you $1,000, but oh, it'll be worth well, it. Well, look, I see, the, I see the whole thing is sometimes less is more. So I might have removed a few screws, but like... <laughs> You know. Oh God, that reminds me of the time that my Pentax went for a swim because of my crappy tripod. One, my, my main number one tripod needed a little bit of a repair. So I took out my backup tripod and because it was years old, part of the plastic on the leg disintegrated on the mm. last you know, shot of the night as we were standing on a pier over Port Phillip Bay and it landed in the drink as I've probably described to you already. So There you go. So good investment. <laughs> about remote screws out of tripods. Maybe I was sabotaged that night. Maybe I should go back through my my participant list there and see who was on. And, and work and out really if any of them work for like a different camera brand or something. So <laughs> well, now that you're on the market for a new camera again. Yes. <laughs> that's it. Why don't you try one of these? Oh, um, that's a good point. I, I always say to people that your tripod should be your best friend because you want to take it everywhere you go. It's easy to set up. It it's, comes at the right height to you, et cetera, et cetera. It's easy to use. It's got to be easy to carry and easy to use, doesn't it? It does. So yep. that is my second one. Number two. Number three, I'd like to say, is know your camera well. Oh, I didn't even have – I've got six now because I'm going to copy your one. <laughs> Don't steal that one. <laughs> Hold on. That's mine. Know your camera well. There's nothing worse. God, we were in the Kimberley years ago and it was one of the last evenings. And the Kimberley is funny sometimes when we go there to, to shoot um, star trails and stuff. I'm not a big fan of doing it. It just doesn't appeal to me, but we do offer it in the workshop. So – so, oh, so, so you go to the Kimberleys and just watch Tom be upset in the corner whilst you do stuff. I just go, no bugger, you can, you can go off and do it yourself. Um, we, sometimes we have to get up at three in the morning to go and do it because sunrise or twilight is at five and then the moon's out until, you know, one or two in the morning. Mm. So there's no point going after dinner. You've got to get up at three in the morning and go then. And, and you'll be out there and everyone's a bit tired and grumpy and somebody – turns on their torch while everyone's trying to <laughs> expose their 30-second astro shot and everyone's like, oh, my God, oh, sorry, I just couldn't see. I, I, well, uh, my camera's not playing, you know, it's not going right and, like, I just needed to find this button and you're just like, oh, my God, please don't do that. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's an easy solution for that. <laughs> is that when, so what you do is you issue all the workshop participants with a torch, so don't let them bring their own. Right. You shoot them all with one of those like 10 D-cell battery yes. mag lights. And so when one of them turns it on, everyone can beat them to death. <laughs> Use it like a police baton. Exactly. Well, well, you know, the, 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 to, to be serious for a second, it's just a matter, like I would say in general, the best way to become a better photographer is to know your camera better. Yeah. Because most of the time when people are starting out, they're kind of like, they're getting flustered mm. trying to find the settings on their cameras. Yeah. And it's, we're not talking complicated settings here. We're talking about how do you change the aperture? How do you change the shutter speed? Mm. You know, how do I change the, the modes on the camera? How do I switch the camera from autofocus to manual focus? You know, things like that. You know, that's, and, that's driving me mental at the moment. I just bought a new camera this week and right. I don't, I know my way around the menus and stuff, but like my finger's not used to where the buttons are. And no. this one doesn't have backlit buttons. My old camera has backlit Ooh. buttons. 
Well, I'd return it. Yeah, I'd just return I'm it. Write a filthy it. letter to the general manager of that company. What did you buy, Matthew? Oh, I'm not telling. Oh, my God. I know exactly what you bought. What? You've been talking about it the last few weeks. Did, does it start in S and end in Y? It does. Ah! <laughs> yes! Uh, nice one. I've actually only taken nice about one. six photos on it in the last week because oh. I've just been busy. Um, Are you just happy as though? Are you like loving life? No, not it's, really. There's nothing better than getting a new camera. <laughs> Come on. No, really, we love sad. new gadgets. It is so sad because I do love oh. new gadgets. But because, I mean, don't get me wrong, I love my photography, but I love it when I'm actually out doing something that I'm really passionate about, like wildlife or something. And I haven't been out doing that yes. this week at all. So. I've got no. this camera and I, like, I don't have any interest in taking test shots of plants and trees. And so it's going to take good pictures. I know that. I <laughs> You're a bit beyond that. So, yes. so it's just been sitting on the bench looking at me like, use me. Oh, like, that is, oh, that's frustrating. I don't really then. need to use that's me this week. Sorry. <laughs> you need to be, what you need to be is you need to be going. On holidays. On a trip to Africa for like four weeks where you can just put that thing through its paces yeah. and flogging yeah well i'm going to an event this saturday to have a play which will be good right and then i know look we've got a trip planned through the flinders ranges for march we're going to go away for four weeks i hope Um, yeah so yeah there'll be opportunities but yeah it's i agree with you in knowing your way around it though because when i have taken like my five test shots that i've done so far um (laughs) there's so many weird things like quirks where you go why is it doing this you know one one classic is people accidentally knock their cameras into bracketing like, yes, know, especially Canon, yes. if you hit the, the Q button or whatever it is, and then you use the wrong dial, it goes into bracketing mode rather than, than just right. changing your exposure compensation or something. And, why is um, my picture taking three photos every time I press the button? Yeah, and why is two of them wrong? <laughs> 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 um, but, you know, that, that's the little things. And if you're doing night shots, you're right. Like, you don't want to be turning torches on and stuff. Even if you're just around the city, you, you still just don't want to have that hassle. Because, again, it's like having a crappy tripod. If that's taking up your, all your attention... Like, that's not a fun thing. Mm. No one goes, I can't wait to go out shooting tonight so I can get confused about the buttons. Or I can't wait to go no, out photographing tonight because I want to wrestle with my tripod and have a, you know, yeah. Like, it's, it's just no one says that. So I went to a Les yeah. yeah, I went to Wes, Les Walkling, Wes Walkling um, seminar years ago. He talked about the fact that you needed to know your camera so well that you could change any of the settings blindfolded. Oh, Now, that's probably a bit extreme. It's pretty extreme. But, but he is but extreme as well. Can, right. He's full on in if, if you can um, fumble your way through the camera knowing that, right, that, that button, without looking at it, that finger on that button changes X, Y, and Z. I'm not talking about three clicks to the left or the right and you've all of a sudden changed your, you know, aperture from F8 to F5.6. That would be great if you know how to do that too. But mm. just knowing w- without really looking at your camera what buttons you need to press in order to change your shutter speed, your aperture and your ISO is a big leg up if you're doing night stuff because especially if you're shooting with other people, you don't want to be turning your torch on and ruining their exposure just because you can't find where yeah. to change that setting. But, you know, I reckon as well, if you um, if you just go broader than night photography for a sec, like this is, I think, the equivalent and probably what Les, I think, is probably referring to as well. You should know it, be able to do it bl- blindfolded. I think that what that is as well, you forget... Um, Maybe in landscapes, it's also a little different because you sort of frame up your composition, usually on a tripod, and then you go and tend to your settings. But for a lot of styles of photography, you've got to be looking through the viewfinder to to be sort of framing up and shooting at the same time. And there's nothing worse in a lot of genres, you know, whether it's wildlife or portraiture, than taking a shot. And then if you want to make a change, having to put it down in front of you and sort of chimp, you know, like the chimping kind of. Yep. Yeah, I think that's sort of um, – so if you can do it blindfolded, you know, you, you should better use – know where your fingers should be to get to your settings 
um, whilst looking through your viewfinder. Yeah, yeah, got it. Yeah. Anyway, all right. Um, that's number, number four. three, wasn't it? Okay, number, number four. four. Yeah. Um, Matthew, just hitting the ball over the net to your part of the court. Uh, so this one's going to be, um, I'm going to say somewhat controversial because it doesn't apply to everyone, but we are talking about general mistakes here, I think, um, and probably mistakes that are commonly made by beginners in this genre. I'm going to say that people get excited about some of the novelties of night photography and completely forget about composition. Yeah, right. So I know that sounds yep. like a big call, but you know, imagine you've just learned how to do light trails, right? You know, so mm. you've got cars, light trails and stuff, and that looks really mm. super awesome. Mm. The novelty of, oh my God, I got light trails, sometimes overtakes the fact that light trails are a really good addition to a scene. They're a really good highlight, accent, anchor, whatever you want to call it. They're brilliant for that, but... Light trails alone are not a good shot. And the same with if you're going to do like architecture and get those beautiful blue skies that you were talking about and um, Mm. trying to pull those elements of a night scene together, you still have to be really conscious of your composition. Like taking a picture of just a city skyline is not necessarily all that interesting. Putting something interesting in the foreground to accent that city Mm. skyline, it's a really good shot. So I think that sometimes in night photography, because it's a little more complicated, because you have tripods, because you're thinking about the timing and all this sort of jazz, I think a lot of people kind of forget that you need to pay a lot of attention to composition still. There still have to be really good creative elements to drag your viewer into the shot. I, I totally agree. In fact, in many ways, night photography is harder than doing daytime photography because, because of that. what you're framing up. Well, well, you can't see. Sometimes the camera won't focus, which is another yeah. point we should get onto. Um, you, you're obviously fiddling around in the dark, the tripod factor. Um, but you're quite right. If you if you are shooting well after that blue hour that we discussed in point number one, and you've got a whole lot of black sky, which won't happen if you're in a CBD. That's the benefit of shooting yeah. in a CBD. On a cloudy night too. Cloudy night, you've got this beautiful light pollution that reflects off the cloud. So that fills in the black sky. But if you're somewhere where you've got a low black sky, it just, it, it's just imagine you wouldn't take a photograph during the day and have a whole lot of underexposed shadows with a whole lot of mm. black taking out the majority of the photograph. So why would you do it for a nightscape? So you've really got to fill those black areas and so it becomes even more important to get your composition spot on. And do you think that that probably applies, I think, to astrophotography as well? Like I think when you're learning astrophotography, every single person who learns astrophotography takes a photograph of the Milky Way and the Milky Way alone, yep. you know, like just straight up yep. into the sky Milky Way shot. And don't yep. get me wrong, it is an awesome yep. one to have in your catalogue. It's something that when you get it and you finally achieve it, I think most people are really crazy proud of that. And I think you should be because it's not an easy shot to get um, technically. But that is going to be the exact same astro shot of the Milky Way as every other astro shot of the Milky Way because the Milky Way doesn't change that quickly to our naked eye. And so from a composition perspective, Astro is more than just taking a photo of the stars. It's about incorporating the, the surrounding landscape into those stars as well. And I think it's very difficult in the dark, especially mm. because you can't always pre-plan. I mean, you can using apps and stuff, but most people don't pre-plan their Astro. They kind of go out and then start wandering around the, the paddock looking for a dead tree to put against it. Um, it's, yeah, the composition part sometimes goes out the window and you end up with these photos that are, yeah, they look like Milky Way looks awesome, but what's it complimenting you know it's it's kind of like having you know what this is like do you like steak i love a good steak yeah so i really like steak as well i reckon the steak is kind of the milky way (laughs) i mean on its own it's pretty good right 
but yes. it's all the, the accoutrements that go with it that make you go, that was a really good meal. What the hell yeah. is that word you just used? It's used in our house a lot, but I think we, we sort of just use oh, it more broadly. Yeah, like, you know, the trimmings. So like you, sauce you're, you're like in, a, of gravy yes, or, you know, you have mash fries, or chips or whatever. A good, a good red, good red wine. Tell me, you're, you live in the northern suburbs, won't give your... Currently. You know, your... <laughs> we're house hunting at the moment, but yeah. <gasps> Serious? Yeah. I've ever met for where? Well, anywhere. Morning to Peninsula has been on my list, but we, we don't want to go down that far. We want to go down like the, we want to be on um, on the fringe of the city. We're, look, right. we're looking for if anyone has a house for sale on the fringe of the city <laughs> near a train station that's about six thousand square meters to ten thousand square meters. Please hit me up. Thank you. Wow. Well, there's a I, I, that's a that's an exclusive here on the Matt and Tom's podcast. Yeah. I didn't know you were looking for a new oh, place. Oh, absolutely. Right? No, we want to we want to get ourselves. We've been looking. We've been wanting to get a big block for about three years. Right. Um. And then uh, recently, we've had some friends who've 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 moved over the last couple of years, and they've been loving themselves sick. They've got, um. You know, I want to have a big studio, um. Sort of space that I can use yeah. for, for work and stuff. And a man, a man, uh, cave. Yeah, pretty much like that. Would that be a separate <laughs> yeah. building? Yeah, a separate building. And then um, yep. I also want to. You know what? I just want to pull with a gum tree view. That's kind of my right. Yeah, lovely. So anyway, Give me a comb amongst the gum exactly. trees and with lots of bottom trees. But you were saying I'm, um, I'm in the northern suburbs. Sorry, I, are you a Squires Loft fan there? Because Mary used to live only a hundred meters down the road there from the one in um, uh, Buckley Street in oh, Essendon. I don't. I've not been to that one. I've been to the one in the city, but we don't, I don't oh, go out. I'm not cool enough to go out. I, I sit at home we, and drink in the bar. Yeah. Have a, have a steak at Squires Loft. My, your shout, your shout. Okay. Oh, maybe we'll and, do that. And we can we'll take our podcast at the same time. Maybe we, that's where we could take our new branding photo of us eating steak somewhere, <laughs> and and it'd be this and subtle hint are, to because like this little tip of the cap to this episode, going like, "Ha ha, Matt and Tom eating the Milky Way." Now, there's a few shout outs that we needed to do today. Um, somebody somebody mentioned to me a few weeks ago during our break a hiatus that, in fact, they listened to the podcast diligently. And I went, oh, my God, are you for real? Another person. And they said they wouldn't mind a shout-out. And, of course, do you think I can remember who that person was? Oh, no. But hello to Nick Nick Fletcher because he got uh, terribly offended that we hadn't mentioned him in the first couple of episodes this year. So, yeah. Nick, get a dog up here. Can't wait to see you again and kick you in the hip. Ooh. Was it the hip yeah, or the knee? Yeah, no, it was the hip. Was it, Although, by the, the time hip. you see him again, it's probably going to be his knees as well. He's, um, he's a fragile being. He's probably going to be walking or not. He's probably going to be in a wheelchair. He's pretty old. He he's is. pretty old. Cam Blake, a big shout out to Cam Blake. Love you to death, Cam. But stop stealing my clients. You and Matthew Crummins, yeah. terrible. And also, terrible. get a job, buddy. <laughs> oh, what a loser! Seriously, what an idiot! What a guy! He, this is a guy who's left his secure, well-paying job Go, to be a land job photographer full-time yeah. government job at that with all the perks no. the benefits etc and he wanted to be a landscape photographer he also what? bought a really expensive guitar so i reckon that he was the guy who won the 50 million dollar lottery the other night he's just like not telling anyone about it uh, you know that that's, what would you do if you did win would you tell anyone oh you know what i'd do if i was that i'd probably quit my job in government i'd probably buy a guitar i'd buy <laughs> i'd sell my fuji and buy a leica and i'd just start running right. workshops full-time in Tasmania. He is rolling in it, isn't he? He is rolling in it. He's not making it out of photography, that's for sure. No. So I'm not sure what he's doing on the side. No, but if I won the lottery, I wouldn't, know, I wouldn't know what to do with it, to be honest. I'd sort of be like, okay, cool. Take a little bit of time off. Maybe go take a tra- caravan trip somewhere. Maybe buy, I, I buy some nice lenses. Different. Yeah, right. I wouldn't do anything different to what I'm doing now other than to buy 
a holiday house a couple of hours from Melbourne and a house for my own down here because we don't we don't own our own home. Where, so where you are is a holiday house, that's though, it. really, because you're on the beach. <laughs> I'm going to buy a, yeah, I'm gonna have buy a house near the beach. Um, I could have a second house in Red Hill, which is 20 minutes away, and that could be my holiday house. Oh, we looked at a place in Red Hill, but I tell you what, yeah. like that bushy Pricey. part of Red Hill is lovely, but yeah. Yeah. Anyway. You, you come to, next time you're down this way, I'll take you to a few places in the bush. That's sounding dodgy as. It is. But they are. I drove down this road the other day and there was just some beautiful homes and you're in amongst the bush. And I'll take you to my friend's place, Ted and Dyes. They've got um, acreage just full of forests, but she's got the studio. She's the artist. I put her on my uh, Instagram a few weeks oh, ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's the artist who has that separate building that the whole wall, one wall of her studio is just glass, floor to ceiling. Love it. And she looks out over the bush and it is just the best environment in which to be able to... to um, to you know be creative i mean so. I, I probably i probably wouldn't want that because it'd get really hot if it's all glass and stuff you know so <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> you know that's where you can just take all your clothes off matthew that's and, and get more Do my creative self-portraits in the warmth um <laughs> we have run out of time young man oh, no. we are going to need to i think continue this conversation next week would that be okay we can do that but we did get oh. to five, which is exciting. I didn't think. Well, four. Oh, I was I was coming off the off the the long run next oh, with number five. Okay. Well, so. next next week we're going to talk purely about number five. <laughs> it's going to be a big <laughs> one. Week, there will be part two, and I'm sure we'll have more than five, as you said, because we really want to cover this off well for those who are looking to get out and indulge in the beauty of night photography. So, thank you once again, Matthew, for catching up. That's been a great little catch Always up. Always pleasurable. All the best with your new camera and your house hunting. Thanks. Might You've be might be broadcasting from a different background soon. Oh, how exciting! Yeah, that is. I'm, I'm, I hope you find something soon. I'll do some house hunting for you. you. Just give me a give me a price range. Just flick me Just, some text messages. Yeah, I will. And I if will. anyone's selling their house, as I said, on the fringe of the city, we're looking. You know, five ten thousand square meters. Please, uh, just hit me up. Thank you. Remember too that if you are handy and you'd like to donate an hour or two of your time to come to my gallery this week to help me with my storeroom, that would be amazing too. So you have been listening to yet another episode of Matt and Tom's excellent podcast. We will catch you next time. See you later. Bye. Bye.